0: Connecting to the AOC Podcast Network. Enjoy your stay. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Christy with AOC, here with the rest of the AOC gang. And thanks for tuning in for another episode of Mind on Media, Conscious Conversations, where we're always increasing the dialogue around relevant media literacy topics. Now you may have heard of, or you may be familiar with, the idea of the great digital divide. Um, but if you're not, we're breaking that down today. The uh, digital divide is essentially that gap between those of us who have access to technology, the internet, and digital literacy training, uh, and versus, or so, those who do not have that particular access. Um, I think we all know that technology possesses the added benefit and lots of potential to improve and simplify our everyday lives. And as we see more companies starting, we continuing to pivot all of their products, services, operations online. We recognize that more of this digital divide gap is growing and affecting a lot of U.S. populations. Um, the poor, people with disabilities, the handicapped, and, and I'm sure these topics may make their way into another podcast. Um, Today, we're specifically focusing on our senior populations, which we can kind of break those down into the young old seniors, our like 65 to 74 age range, our middle old, which is about 75 to 85 years old, and then our oldest, so that's considered um, 86 plus. So to kick things off here, um, I will say that there's this sort of stereotype or belief that senior adults can't really learn how to effectively navigate technology like it's outside of their wheelhouse and their comfort zone because they didn't grow up with it sort of thing um some of the reading and like the research that i I did in prep for this podcast suggests almost completely otherwise that it's not always you know or even most times a lack of capacity especially among like young old and the middle old seniors so uh, there's a lot of other things going on in the picture so if you guys can sort of help me share with our audience today, um, what are some of the new age challenges that today's senior citizens may face with the adoption of tech? Just so going off of the senior citizens that you know in your world, or um, perhaps, Ed, you are, I know we know that you're youthful at heart. <laughs> if you could give I us think, some of your on that. I think we mean
1: as, uh... immature, not youthful, immature. <laughs> uh, the, I, I have a minor quarrel with the research that says that People like me and older are not adopting through a lack of uh, capability of learning. And the the, uh, research says that's not it. There are other factors involved. I disagree. I think a lot of people my age are reluctant to try uh, out of fear. Having said that, what the research says is a lot of people, and and there's antidotal evidence to to support this. My dad's a great example. I'm an example. Uh, Old people adopt what they need. And not everything else. Uh, you guys, you young people, you adopt everything. I mean, you're forever sorting through the the media that you you subscribe to and look at and share with the pen. It's all over you. But and I'll use my dad as an example. He gets online only to get what he wants. He spends zero time noodling around, getting little stimulation from social media or even these clickbait. He knows nothing of that stuff but he can tell you within minute accuracy, what's going on in town. He reads news. He knows where to find his information. He hadn't adopted any, but he gets recipes. He plays bridge. He does email. Uh, he's not interested at all in using his laptop or his iPad to watch Netflix, not interested. So he he's capable and engaged, uh, So that that supports the research, that he he uses it for what he wants.
2: Well, uh, I I guess I'm definitely not a senior citizen, but I've grown up in that weird place where like half my life was pre the modern conveniences of like connectivity and Internet and, and, you know, ubiquitous computing. Um, At least half my life was that and half my life has been the other way. And I was even an early like decryer when my dad brought a computer home when I was a kid. Uh, it was, you know, this ugly thing with a black background and orange only text, and there was like one game on there that was like a Donkey Kong ripoff. And I, he was like, "This is the future. You need to learn how to use this." And I said, "Nobody is ever going to be using these things. <laughs> this is disgusting." Uh, and they wouldn't have used it if it would have stayed like that. But it started changing rapidly another just interesting anecdote from my life is you know I, I learned how to do video production back when it was like reel to reel vhss and it was way more of a mechanical process than a uh, than a, a digital process and i remember at some point i I like took a break from production for a while. Maybe like did some some more heady classes in school as opposed to production classes. Came back into the production world, and I thought I'd never be able to like catch up because in the time that I stepped away, digitized uh, a bunch of just like terminology that I did not understand. But what I came to realize the more I like stuck to it was that every day the terminology changes but luckily our access to information has also grown with leaps and bounds so now if there's something i don't know i know how to look for it on this little thing um and can reasonably come to a a pretty good way of how to use this new stuff that pops up all the time
3: (laughs) right and so i'm matt and i are, are for all intents and purposes practically the same age and uh both grew up in that that weird quasi before time. Uh, and But I'm kind of the opposite side of that coin is I would call myself an early adopter. I was on the web before the the web existed as we know it now, which I would say probably came into existence in like 1995, 1996. And before that it was DARPAnet and, and bulletin board systems and stuff like that. And so my dad, for work, was on computers uh, and on DarpaNet and stuff like that. So he came home, and me and my brother jumped like right into it. Uh, and that's kind of, I think, part of the big divide is is whereas I'm an early adopter, uh, and Christie's generation, I would I would call digital natives. They're they're the natives of that landscape. They it's been there i would say your whole life right chris it's as and and everybody growing up now my children uh everybody in the rad reporters like all those kids that they've never known a world without it uh not a world where it doesn't exist as we know it now and so i think ed's what ed's saying about use it as you need uh that makes a lot of sense to me because they find need and then use the tool. Whereas uh, digital natives and early adopters have the tool and they're like, what else can this tool do? Uh, So it's not just like, I have a need, let's fill that need. They they will, they're looking for a solution to a question they don't have yet. So they're, it, it makes more sense to them Logically, to find more and more uses for this tool, and that's how that's how innovation on the internet has been carried out. Is people are just like we have this really cool tool; it does a lot of things. How far can we push that?
1: That's a good observation, but I'm going to say that, and Matt started it, and you reinforced it. Y'all grew up before, and now you're in. Well, so did I. How come my age group? I, I learned of the internet the same time y'all did i had the same uh what did you call that thing the first macbook or, or apple computer the apple II or whatever they call it i've been i grew up with it just like you did i adopted it like you did why is I think, it more, for my generation i think higher than yours and I, I have a thesis or a theory
3: i i also have a theory on that and i think it's because time. oh i'm sorry I, I I my we, it,
1: it, we and my dad's generation is an even clearer point. We grew up on practicality. If we needed something, that's what we had. We didn't have five pairs of jeans. We needed two, one to wear and one to clean. So we didn't have five. And then and later generations, younger people like yourself had more, they had electric can openers. You didn't need an electric can opener, but you had one. So you you adopted these newer things more rapidly than we did. We didn't see the need the way you assumed the need uh, this is a new tool I'll take advantage of it We didn't when well, we had phones you know what the heck you know, stand next to the wall that's not the hardest thing
3: so well and I think I think the main reason and I can't speak for Matt is that when I was introduced to computers and then eventually like DARPAnet and BBSs and then further on down the road the internet I was still young enough to not think of it as a tool I thought of it as a toy it was a toy to me. It was something fun to do and mess around in it was this new environment. There was no like you said, there was absolutely no practicality involved. I wasn't using it as a tool. I just wanted to see what I could get away with on it,
2: yeah. Early porn discoveries, huh
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not worth it in those days <laughs> okay, well, Matt
0: you I'm were, sorry, gonna- were you gonna say something, Matt?
2: Uh, Oh, I was just going to say, you know, and I I can't cite any, like, research or studies, but I I have heard it bandied about that, like, especially for, like, learning learning new languages is something they talk about, that it's so much easier when you're younger as opposed to when you're older, and part of that is just because I think your, uh, whatever learning pathways, they just sort of get set as you get older, and so, you know, you've learned what you... Not, not what you, not that you can ever stop learning altogether, but I just think it's easier to learn when you're younger because you have that sort of blank palette. I agree
1: completely. The uh, I had a, a coffee meeting with a young fellow a couple of weeks ago as a teacher over there to the big college. and uh, I asked him he's he's in PR and he does PR uh, related to putting uh, issues to bed. Let's just say that. And, and he's a black guy. So I asked him straight up. I said, What's the, what's the, the, in the black community, what's the divide? What's going on? And he put it straight up. He said, Black people are no longer, young black people are no longer concerned about the racism that a person like you thinks of. They want opportunity. It's a young and old thing now. And the old people think this way and the young. And he divided everything he talked about through the whole coffee on um, it's the millennials as opposed to every other age group. Gender didn't matter, race didn't matter, economics didn't matter, education didn't matter. Everything in his mind, and he's he's very convincing, it all came down to age group. And you fall into a learning pattern and a psychological patterns based on that strata you're in. And we were talking about mostly marketing to people. How do we market to rich people, you know, the whole thing. Uh, and he said, don't no worry about marketing to anything except by age group. That's how they're going to buy it. That's how they're going to listen to it and everything else. And I found that fascinating because um, I was reasonably sure he would go not old and young, but he'd go rich and poor or left and right or any of the other options. And he said, no, man, old black people care about totally different stuff. And then he said right on into and like you. And he didn't he didn't name every demographic, but nearly every one it comes down in his very convincing mind to age group. And I thought that was pretty
0: cool. Something yeah, me- I think that's that's definitely something that I could see those lines, particularly among you know some of the mentalities of you know younger versus older versus old. Um, I I think just in the in the case of technology, I do feel like the rate at which we experience like technology growth during our upbringing might have some type of correlation to how adaptable that we are today, because like when I think, I can recall like in the example of like TV, I remember like in middle school, being with like my parents or my grandparents and going to get those little, remember the TV booklets things? Like they were like newspaper booklets that showed you what was coming on TV. Like we had, we went from there to like, the um, yeah, like the TV guys, those paper TV guys, yes.
3: Hello,
1: <laughs> a person who's unsure what TV guide is There's a demographic divide right there
0: exactly but then like within a couple of years in high school we went to like the the digital TV guys that would scroll on TV and then a couple of years later when you know I'm yeah. in college then it's the whole like on demand Netflix and sort of that space all within the course of like eight to ten years we're kind of like moving forward I guess living in it versus just um i will say watching it perhaps, maybe just um, experiencing it through our upbringing. And I think that sort of exponential growth rate may be the reason why um, my generation and maybe the generation even after, I feel like they'll go from seeing, you know, today their parents go to the gas station to go pump gas and maybe like a year from now, now, we've got electric vehicles and then, you know, it wouldn't seem so far fetched to them in a couple of years when we have like automated vehicles driving us around and stuff.
2: So maybe something like that could have something to do with it. Yeah, I think that is valid. The well, that's why oh, like digital native.
1: Good. You grew up with it, and you never knew that you couldn't do that to a screen and make the picture change. You know, that's just automatic. So that that adaptation is pretty understandable. But it's it's, it's, it's and you were very polite to to make me not the older older. I'm just old. But the older, olders and those kind of guys, uh, their lack of adaptation is having consequences on the rest of us and that they're getting sick and they can't get the medicine. They can't apply for information. They don't, they can't participate in electoral exchanges. The lack of connectivity uh, is as real for old people as it is for the so-called poor people who are now connecting with phones, uh, which is better than nothing for sure. but. Uh, Getting people connected to the internet in every age group is really, really important for a lot of, I mean, it's a utility. It's like electricity now. You need it to function in life. You need it, to, you need it for everything. But health, education, socialization, you need it for all those things. And we've got to, uh, we've got to remember that. That's part of what AOC wants to talk about, uh, getting people to understand that they can use all this stuff and then be better receptors. Don't. <laughs> no, not and that's the reason my dad doesn't want any of this Facebook he don't want to put up with the stuff I complain about all day uh, and he's
3: he's fortunate that he doesn't I can't turn it loose uh, so he's well, one that- of the one of the articles that Christie shared with us kind of outlined something that I found a little bit surprising and that's in that there even during a global pandemic when so many people were relying on Zoom calls and Google Meet and just the internet in general to keep in touch with loved ones who they could no longer see because everybody's in lockdown or in quarantine. uh, That that did not really shape the way uh, older generations adopted technology. I would have, I would have thought that it would have pushed more adoptive behavior and it really didn't seem to affect them, at, like at all. They were just like, oh, "We're in lockdown," but I. It just don't. increased
2: the rate That's of griping. It. Right. <laughs> well,
1: it, it it's hard to explain from an old person's perspective what this new stuff means to them. And if they don't have a need for it, I can understand why. Man, their life is full. They know what they got. Their ruts built. They have no intellectual need to go see what's on Facebook or the next thing. So what we refer to as their lack of adaptation or adoption uh, is maybe an adaptation. They, they've really done a good job of taking what they need and skipping the rest, as opposed to, and I've noticed this a lot, uh, and it's I'm, I'm a big victim of this and several people that I know, including most of you or all of you, if there's a new software, you'll find a problem to fix with it. Um, or we will bend processes to meet the software's needs as opposed to vice versa. Uh, we conduct our business according to what the digital world asks of us as opposed to making the digital world fit us. Now that's not exclusive, but, uh, and I'm a, I have a real big problem with that stuff. I'll discover some new kind of software and spend literally hours and hours and hours and hours learning it. And then I don't really have any need for it. You know, uh, and we all do some of that and my, and my old man doesn't do that.
2: So he, maybe that's right. a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't anecdotally. One of the uh, things I thought of whenever, uh, whenever we, I found out that this was the topic today was one of the, uh, one of the people I work with, an older gentleman, uh, super nice guy, super intelligent guy, engineer, I believe I'm, I forget what kind of engineer, but that's what he did before he retired. Um, but he's a, a prime example of the kind of sort of attitude that I used to have when I was younger, when I was a, a you know, Luddite, uh, which was essentially like, we use a certain software to interact, like a Zoom-style software to interact uh, on, almost on a weekly basis. And I don't, what I've come to accept is that like, if I don't see a button I'm looking for in the interface, is like, it's probably somewhere, there's some change notes on it somewhere he, on the other hand, as soon as that happens, he's so aggravated. He's so just angry. He's like, mm-hmm. why did they have to change this every week? And I'll, I'll try and explain like, well, you know, they're trying to make it better. Um, and he just doesn't get that. He thinks it's just like a, a way to make it harder to use, which I, I kind of get that, uh, that instinct, but just, I guess through experience, my experience working with stuff, it's, it's almost always for the better in the end. And if it's not, that's the beauty of software is you can change it back.
1: Well, that's a perfect observation that, that, uh, and I could be the guy you're talking about, except I'm not an engineer. (laughs) It's, and I don't, I don't have the intuition, like, and you do, you three automatically know, uh, and I'm learning that there's a bar across the top of everything that give you options (laughs) of where to look. And if you take a second and look, it's almost always, Well, that's not true, but it's frequently very sensible, but it's not automatic. And it's not where it was yesterday. And for you guys, it's just automatic. Oh, there's a place where you get spell check. I do that automatically. Well, it's taken me a long time to learn to look there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's give me the surface, give me the sound bite. Let me press the go button. And this thing goes, it's not, it's not built into my psyche to look farther or even to understand I can build a relationship between two fields. and I mean, you guys do that stuff. You just, you don't even think of that. Uh,
2: I think there's also, and you know, again, from like personal experience, there's, there's like an embarrassment factor. Like, you know how when, sometimes when people are like looking over your shoulder, you make more typo mistakes if you're trying to type something. I remember when I used to have to like teach people how to use computers and I was less familiar with them than I am now. Uh, It was a real like, there were you were like sweating because these people behind you you were trying to figure out what how to teach them what they needed to do and whereas now sort of my attitude to it and with teaching anything is like if i don't know something i'll just say i don't know i'm gonna have to google this um and it's it i've I've built that out of my psyche that it's not like an embarrassment to not know something because there's just so much to know in the world you said it normally changes every day yeah
1: every day I'm still trying to get the difference between TCP and ISP or some other. TCP, IP, remember that? You had to pick whatever format you wanted back in. <laughs> As the old person here, uh, I would like to say on behalf of my generation that you and Ken's, uh, you got yourself a, a ticking time bomb with the whole internet. And uh, you can decide what to blow up with it, but it's going to mess with, it's all going to be different because the internet's here to stay. It's not a fad. I've come to learn that. It's free.
0: Yeah, it definitely brings its benefits and its, and its challenges um, as well. But um, I think to the the points that you guys were making, um, particularly Ed about, I guess, even just the fulfillment, perhaps that was, um, I guess, easier to find for older generations in life today versus um, newer age, you know, my generation and, and even um And after, I guess, after or before, after. Um, But I guess one of the theories I was thinking is like, I feel that we do kind of across generations value time differently. I don't want to say one more than the other, but value time differently in that, um, in the sense that a happy, fulfilled life is, is still like limited to the average human lifespan. So I think like today we are like constantly looking for ways to speed up some of the labor intensive of the mundane things every day, you know, replacing things with automation so we could spend more time, and especially like in today's world where we're, you know, working endless jobs and, you know, that kind of stuff. But um trying to spend more of our life, I guess, engaging in things that can like, add quality and value and seek that fulfillment perhaps that previous generations um found a bit more easily through through life. So um I don't know. Now they've got robots that could like they're working on robots <laughs> to clean your home for you and do all that stuff, so that we can spend more time doing you know other things. Or That's a whole right?
1: other conversation. Is when there's not any work that humans have to do, what are humans going to do, and how do we reward them with commodities to exchange if they if they don't work? <clears throat> they're going <clears> to <throat> be all. batteries for the robots. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs>
2: exactly.
1: has got to run the car to make it start?
0: Okay. <laughs> That is another conversation. Um, I will get ready to wrap us up today. Um, Just as we are ending on a note, um, when it comes to like decreasing that gap, the generational digital divide, are there any steps we can uh, take to or recommend to our viewers to kind of help them to support and empower the senior citizens around them? Anything that we can throw out there before we end today?
2: Quit snickering at old people, but for what they don't know, there's more than you. Anyone who can't type find a typing game and and play that game till you know how to type and I bet interacting with computers will be a lot more pleasurable for you.
1: That's some truth there, brother.
2: Took <laughs> took till I was 30 to learn that lesson myself. And just I, out of
3: my own experience, patience is key. Like if, if you want to help somebody learn to use these tools, patience is key because it's because they're from a beginner's standpoint, they're very frustrating and very new, and you have to be patient with that frustration and, and let them vent it out and help them however you can.
0: Mm-hmm. The same patience that I know I exhibit, like when I go to classrooms to help students or maybe parents help, you know, assist with their kids, perhaps that same level of patience that we can extend to um, senior citizens and older um, older individuals. I think we can um, help them and empower them to be more independent for that. Um, But we'll wrap up today. Uh, As always, you can find out more info about AOC, all things media production and media literacy on our website, aocinc.org. Thanks again for joining us for another episode. And we hope to see you again next week. Until next time.